Welcome to the Red Text, a crossroads of the holy and heretical. Join, Join us now for another episode in Unholy Communion. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Text podcast, y'all. I'm your co-host Ryan, aka the Mestizo Mystic. Woo woo! Oh my god, I can't. I I get always get excited when I hear your face. Uh, hear your face. Hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Fonzie. I am known as Witch Illumicente on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? I'm I'm doing good. I went to work today after having four days off, only because I called out on one of the other days. So I gave myself a little four day weekend. Um, and it was like the moment I walked into work, like my happiness just like went away. I was like, oh God, I'm back in this hellhole. But aside from that, day went by quickly. Um, pretty good day. I just scarfed down half of a Domino's pizza before hopping on this call. So, you know, she's satiated. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I had recently finished a print um, of Our uh, our Lady of Sorrows um, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm now mailing some of these prints to my friends. So I'm very excited for y'all to get them. Um, they, th- these prints are available um, if you DM me on my Instagram. It is a beautiful print, if I do say so myself. It is based on a statue of Our Lady of Sorrows, actually. It's really pretty. Um, but they are available. Just DM me for details and stuff like that. Um, I did take a couple of days off of work. You and I actually took the same days off of work. It's so synchronized. Because we were both at the beach at the same time. I saw. We were. We were at the beach at the same time, which technically we were at the same ocean. We were touching the same ocean. We were together in spirit. We were touching the same water. We were. We were. Um, But yeah, I did take a couple of days off of work because I just needed to kind of do a recharge. I Mm -hmm. um, kind of built like a little altar. Actually, it was kind of elaborate for if I don't say so much, like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I it was like, beautiful. Thank you. But I don't know what the hell I was thinking about bringing all that shit to the beach. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to make like three trips back and forth from the beach to my car just to set that altar up. But I had a little romantic picnic by myself, um, which I love. I enjoy my own company. Um, I really, really do. And I say that with a lot of sincerity because I really, in, I prefer my own, um, my own company. Um, so <laughs> I took the last two days to kind of spend time with myself. I went to the beach. I did this little, um, blessing and ritual at the beach. I brought Mary with me. And then yesterday I, I kind of just like relaxed and recharged. And then I saw Hamilton by myself. Like I went to go see Hamilton at the Pantages theater. Oh, by myself. fun. Yeah. Uh, days little... by your... I was gonna say days by yourself are the best. Uh, they are. They are. You know, it's so funny too, because one of my best friends, she can't stand eating in a restaurant by herself. And I told her that is my favorite thing in the world. Like I love like sitting and eating. I don't, I I know a lot of folks don't agree with me. I know some Mm -hmm, folks kind of make it, it's kind of uncomfortable for them, but like sitting and eating my food and people watching is so much fun to me. It's so fun. I love that. It's so fun. I have actually a funny little story. If you don't mind me sharing before we hop into introducing our guest regarding eating at a restaurant by yourself. So there's a diner that I love. That's like maybe like 15 minutes from my place. And I went there one day to get breakfast after I had a doctor's appointment because I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a cocktail and some breakfast. And mind you, this cocktail was called a love potion, had tequila. It was fantastic. Anywho, they decided to sit me at the diner like right in front of where all the line cooks are. And I, you know, being queer with all my jewelry, I had my Santa Muerte pinned out and my Medal of Our Lady of Graces and my pentacle necklace. And most of the line cooks that were working there were Hispanic or um, Latina. And I just kept getting the funniest glances of them like looking at me like while cooking like like, is that a fucking brujo? Like, is he going to fucking... Cur- like, and my food came out so fast, mind you. I put in my order, <laughs> and, like, five minutes later, my food was out. I was like, they probably think I'm going to fuck them up. Like, ladies, I'm just here to eat. Like, I'm... <laughs> don't mind me. Don't mind my my witchy ass. But... Uh, I love it. Yeah. But also, us. yes. Yes. There's a high chance that Ryan will curse you if the food is trash. Oh, absolutely. No, the curse <laughs> is actually just a bad Yelp review. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, Ryan... I think it's time. I think it's time to introduce our special guest. Do you yes. mind taking uh, just 
take take the reins. Who yeah, no, I'm so excited to introduce our guest Sky because today we're going to be talking about Gnosticism, which to be completely honest and humble myself, I do not have much knowledge on. Very, very basic knowledge do I have on this subject. So I'm excited to dis- not only just discuss, but learn a lot tonight about Gnosticism and learn about our guest Sky. And Sky, would you mind just introducing yourself and your background, your practice? Uh, what knowledge do you have to share with us tonight? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my practice now is, I think like a lot of people gathering stuff over the years, I grew up in a really conservative Protestant denomination called Church of Christ. There could be like a whole episode on like their weird practices, (laughs) but yeah. And then I started doing witchy stuff like in 2015, and I think I might be getting my ears wrong. But then I started getting drawn back to like Mary Magdalene and read the Gospel of Mary. And the Gospel of Mary a lot of times is called the Gnostic Gospel of Mary. So I was like, what does this mean? What's Gnosticism? And it really just fit. So, yeah. Could you maybe define a little bit of what Gnosticism is for those who are unfamiliar with it have, or just now hearing the word for the first time? What does it mean to be Gnostic or what is Gnosticism? Yeah, this one I struggled so much trying to come up with a definition. It's kind of like if you ask six different Gnostics what Gnosticism is, you'll probably get seven answers. It's pretty wide, but, you know, Gnosis just means to know in Greek. So it's about having a direct experience with the divine versus, you know, belief or faith. And it does, it is really influenced by Christianity. The first Gnostics were probably like Jewish and early Christians. Um, But yeah, it focuses on the gospels, but more in a way about illusion and enlightenment rather than repentance from sin kind of thing. Awesome. And then, so would you consider yourself a Gnostic or is that just kind of like a philosophy that you do incorporate into your practice, like uh, as something you touch on in your beliefs? Yeah, I think of myself as Gnostic now. It's become a big part of my practice. Do you feel like there are any um, um, significant like differences in regards to like someone who would call themselves someone who's Protestant or someone who is um you know catholic or um like what are the significant like differences in regards to the belief system the practices um when it when it comes to um folks who practice with the gnosticism yeah i mean i think it's one of those things where you can be gnostic and other things so like for i call myself a gnostic witch sometimes and i think there's lots of people who also are really into Gnosticism, but also do other stuff because it's kind of a focus just on having that direct experience. Um, And so you can kind of look at lots of things. Something that I think does, you know, there is specific mythology that Gnosticism has from the secret book of John, this alternative creation story that people really love because it can get kind of spicy. It's like a retelling of the creation myth. Um, And so stuff like that, like specific texts that were found in the Berlin Codex and the Nag Hammadi Library, like these codices that aren't included in the canonical Bible. So I know you were mentioning, Sky, that like Gnosticism can look different between different Gnostics, depending on who you ask. So could you give us a little more insight into your practice? Like what exactly in your Gnostic practice do you believe in? Kind of like the theology, the background, mm-hmm. what does that look like for you particularly? Yeah, for me, it is kind of a fundamental. So <laughs> the creation myth is about how there is the one or the monad, depending on like what terms you're using. And the one notices itself and is like, huh. (laughs) And then things spring forth from it, like these aeons and the aeons keep making things. And just this kind of idea that there is like a source, but then there can also be lots of other divine beings and things can be very complicated and there's lots of realms and 
stuff going on it kind of fit with my view that like lots of different things can be true at once like lots of there can be lots of different divine beings there's not like one way you have to look at things um and then a lot of gnostics do incorporate a lot of like catholic rituals they don't necessarily like reject catholicism some people see it as like a continuation or just like a bonus onto catholicism so like for me i have been redoing well learning those practices for the first time because like i said i was like protestant so i'm still trying to like figure out what's going on during like gnostic liturgy they're like reciting things in latin and i'm like i don't know what this is right but (laughs) (laughs) um but it's cool to learn about too to learn about like the rosary for the first time and like go to a gnostic liturgy where they're like waving around incense just all this ritualistic stuff that i didn't have growing up what kind of churches offer gnostic liturgies um so there's a church called the yonanite um church and there's there's like some around the country but i go to them over zoom because there's none in my city okay uh, what, were you, what are you gonna say something, Fonzie? No, I was just gonna say like the, the kind of what I'm getting from this. Like I said, I'm extremely new to the idea of narcissism, as to the point to where I I'm basically a baby. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but what based on what you're saying, what the base the baseline for your belief system is, or the belief system of some um, Gnostics is kind of like when we if if anyone listened to the um, Psalms episode that we released with Chris, where, um, you know, during the early time, during the early, you know, uh, the, the historical, the early historical part of Christianity, when we talk about how in the Psalms itself, it, it mentions and acknowledges the existence of other gods um, and other deities and your, your, um, your belief system or the way that you practice, you are aware and you acknowledge the fact that these deities also exist. Now I, I, I also, um, kind of toe that same line where I, um, consider myself an omnist where I believe that everything and anything that people believe in exists in some capacity and that everything and everything, anything and everything deserves some sort of veneration and everything and anything can um, be contributed to some, you know, to some sort of valued practice, right? So it sounds like there's a lot of parallels to, it's interesting because it's like me and Ryan, we consider ourselves, we, we, we really do kind of, uh, we, we, we stand on that, that, um, that title of being folk Christian, folk Catholic, right? And we, we, we really do kind of encompass folk Catholicism and folk Christianity. And it sounds like Gnosticism, just based on what you've already um, kind of described to us, kind of share the same kind of parallels to how, I mean, also there's a lot of UPG that goes, you know, that's blended into that, you know, we have our own kind of nuance when it comes to our practices obviously like i'm not going to go out and say like um, you know all folk christians believe that all gods exist you know i'm not going to say that i don't think that's fair um i'm not going to claim that that's not my place to claim um but yeah it just seems like there's a lot of parallels here and it goes to show that regardless of where you come from what your belief system is it's kind of like if you start having these discussions with people especially in a on a topic that you're not well versed in you start to find these parallels and you start to find these similarities and you start to see that hey look at that we can actually hold hands and we can share experiences and we can kind of go forth and see what i can incorporate you know into my practice based on what you do you know Piggybacking off of what Fonzie was saying, Sky. So, would you mind? Give, is there anything in your practice that you'd be willing to share with us? Because I'm very curious about how you incorporate both your your witch witch eh, your witchcraft practice alongside your Gnostic beliefs and practice as well. Could you maybe whatever you're comfortable sharing? I would I would love like a little peek into that. Yeah, I mean, my biggest one right now. I have this rose quartz rosary, and it's. Um, at the end, it doesn't have a cross. It has like another rose, which I was like, ooh, very, feels very rosy. <laughs> um, and, and I don't 
pray it like a normal rosary though where you do like the specific prayers i did it once um now i just do well for the first few beads that hang down see i'm very bad with the definitions but um i like call in all the different like like sophia which is a gnostic you know aeon or deity and then like mary magdalene mother mary and like these kinds of folks and then i use it more like a prayer beads where i'm like saying an intention every bead and when i get to like the big bead <laughs> um i do like a little like other little prayer um that's like as above so below kind of thing and mm. yeah i just go through that over and over again and i kind of incorporate that into my spell work because sometimes you know you're supposed to let the candle burn all the way down and be like visualizing and i get distracted easily like <laughs> very me too <laughs> absolutely so i just i'm like okay let me like pull out the rosary and just say like the intention for this spell like maybe like three times through so it's like 150 times i think um and that's like a way i do it that's beautiful are now are these prayers that you use with that rosary prayers that you came up with yourself or are there pr like traditional prayers within the gnostic tradition um, there are a few like specific Gnostic rosaries that people have created, but they're also ones that people have created. So you can kind of mess with them. It's a little open, but yeah, I found a few different ones um, that were like from the Gnostic Ecclesia and then from the Yonanite church. They also had one on their website. So yeah, you can kind of play with it. Totally. And then, so the one thing I was getting when like just watching some like small clips describing Gnosticism, like you were describing how there's the monad or the one, but I kept coming across this term as of the, of the demiurge, right? So like the person or the thing that created the material realm, uh, which I find really interesting. Um, can you give us a little bit of like background or explanation on what exactly like the demiurge is and how that plays into Gnosticism? Yeah, people love the Demiurge, um, but it's part of that creation myth. So like I was saying, it's fun. Basically, Sophia, um, she is like the personification of wisdom because that's what Sophia means in Greek, wisdom. And she sees like all the aeons having their little reproduction party where they're like noticing themselves and hooking up with another aeon and making another aeon and just like making all these divine beings and she's like i want to do that but i want to do it alone i don't want to have to like do it with anybody else i'm just gonna go ahead and when she tries to do that what she makes is a being a being that has a snake body a lion head and thunderbolt eyes and she's like oh no i messed up <laughs> 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 a mistake was made <laughs> and she's like oh gosh i don't want anyone to see this so she just like throws and that's the demiurge she throws the demiurge out of the pleroma which is just means like the fullness or like the spiritual realm and so he's like off i don't know off in space or something and when the demiurge is like off alone you know the demiurge is a personification of ignorance and so he's ignorant of where he came from he's ignorant of the pro the pleroma the other divinity and so he's like okay i'm gonna make something now but he's ignorant so what he makes is not perfect either and he makes the earth and then he has a funny quote which i tried to pull out let me see if i can find it it's something like dee, 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 dee. <laughs> basically he's like i am the only god and there's no god above me and then he's like okay let's keep making stuff i like this he makes the human body and but the human body oh yeah he makes a human body. He also makes these archons. And the archons are kind of, sometimes they get translated as demons, um, but they're also like personification of, you know, negative forces in the world. And him and the archons make the human body. But 
it just like is laying there. It's not it's just it's just like a little clay. And they're like, why is this not moving around? Like, what's going on? Uh-huh. And I think Sophia's like, all right, let me let me help him out or let me do something about this. So Sophia kind of whispers and she's like, hey, like blow air into its mouth. And so he's like, oh, okay. And so he does that, but she kind of like sneaks in there and blows her spirit into the human body. And then it like is animated. Um, So, yeah, so it's just kind of, you know, I say the story, you know, I guess you can see it literally and you can see it like it's kind of literal or like hinting at something. But I also really see it as talking about the human condition Mm -hmm. where we have separation from divinity, but then we're also filled with it. So it's kind of this this thing we have to navigate while we're alive. (laughs) That's so interesting because I, I remember yeah. on TikTok a while, while back, um, like people making not necessarily conspiracy theories because I'm pretty sure it was derived from Gnosticism, but people being like, <laughs> what if the god of the Abrahamic face is the Demiurge and da 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 da? Like, do you have a take on that? Like, what do you what do you feel about? Like, do you feel because I mean, I guess on one hand, could, could we view the Abrahamic god as that potential monad or like, do you more feel like it more aligns with the the demiurge or just like an aeon like what i would love your your perspective your your opinion and view on that yeah i think it was it depends on who you talk to like i think certain people are like oh yeah the abrahamic god is only the demiurge like that's why they did all those things that seem bad (laughs) you know like that we're like why why are people being killed um and i think some other Gnostic groups, because there was lots of different ones with different ideas, like some were a little bit more like, you know, some things are the Demiurge and some other things aren't. Um, I I try not to think about it too much. I don't know. I like, I don't want to like, because I also feel like some of those stories can be interpreted in so many different levels, like metaphysical levels and like metaphorical. So I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, like all of that is just the demiurge. Okay. And then how does uh, in Gnosticism, how is like Christ perceived? Because I, again, just off, off of the, what I was briefly reading before we hopped into this interview, I wanted to get like a brief background. Like some were saying like they believed Christ to be, I think what they were saying was like the messenger of the monad, like to teach us to how to be spiritual or something like that? Yeah, people felt like um, he came to earth to teach us, you know, how to return to Sophia, like the divine light. Um, But yeah, there's also like a lot of different opinions about Jesus too. Um, I'm still a little bit like unsure about how I feel about him. Like with Marys, with the with the Marys, I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're adding some divine feminine in here. Like this is cool. And like then we get to like Jesus, and I'm like, what do I do? With this? <laughs> it's a very common reaction when someone brings up Jesus. I I, I totally understand. I, I I get it. I get it. Fonzie, <laughs> do you have um, any any questions? Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, I, I actually have a comment. I have a comment in regards to kind of the idea of the demiurge and the aspect of Mary being the mother of God. Um, I don't know, because I, I definitely I do not want to conflate these two ideas because I don't think that's fair. But at the same time, I can't help but to kind of think about the idea where the demiurge wasn't like you know how you mentioned like where the demiurge was kind of like sar- kind of uh, arrogantly and sarcastically in some way said like I am the only god I am god right and then to think of Sophia kind of personified as Mary or the other way around I don't want to, like I said I don't want to oof, I don't want to say anything too spicy but like what whatever you know just kind of comparing and contrasting both like ideas of Sophia and and Mary being the mother of god and kind of guiding and kind of like this is what you need to do you know this is this is this is how you bring life to you know et cetera, et cetera. um i don't know that was just an interesting idea that it just kind of popped into my head and now i am thinking it's a very it's a very interesting way to kind of turn christianity on its head you know how it kind of brings forth a very um very not 
Christian uh, origin story. You know, it's very, it's, it, it's extremely heretical, definitely, when it comes to the ideas of the church and the dogma of the church. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. And it's actually quite enticing because it makes it kind of, it brings forth a little bit more mysticism, a little bit more myth. And, you know, uh, just, uh, I mean, as, as it is, you know, the, the Christian origin story or the creation story is pretty mystical as, as it is, you know, but it kind of adds a little bit more depth to it. So I just thought that was interesting. Sky, I was curious, what's the end goal of of Gnosticism? Like, I, I guess in terms of like, you know, Christianity, it's supposed to be salvation, Buddhism escaping samsara and, and reaching nirvana. Is there a, an end goal in in the religion and, and philosophy, theology of Gnosticism? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't mention it earlier. You know, it is reaching Gnosis, like reaching enlightenment. Um, but at the same time, I think you can have like glimpses of gnosis it's not like uh you know you're just whatever until you like achieve full gnosis um but also historically you know the original gnostics believed in reincarnation so you don't have to do it like in this lifetime so it can be pretty like forgiving okay it sounds like gnosticism is really loose I mean, I don't know if that's that's true, but it sounds like it's very um, kind of it kind of gives like a foundation of what the beliefs are. And then it kind of gives folks like, all right, take this and run with it and see what you find. It's it feels a lot like UPG UPG driven. Is that true? Like, is that because it sounds like a lot of people have very based on what you're saying, there's a lot of uh, room for um, UPG, you know, yeah, at least modern, not like Gnosticism. Back in the day, we don't have like a ton of records. We don't know like exactly everything they were doing. So it's kind of reconstruction now. But, you know, especially now, like there's some churches and some organizations, but I think a lot of people do do it on their own completely. So. That's really yeah. interesting because it's like when you kind of compare and contrast, like the, like if you look at, you know, Christianity and, and, and Catholicism, it's so heavy on the text, right? It's so heavy on like historical tax, uh, historical texts as well as like um, just the text itself. It's just, and, and what I'm just talking about, like just traditional, you know, Christianity and uh, traditional um, and everything that kind of falls underneath that. Um there is kind of like a text, like a reference to kind of go back to, to, um, to uh, anchor your belief system in, you know, and it sounds like with, with, um, with your practice that there, your anchor is yourself, is what you know, and what you believe. Yeah, it also is nice to go back, like for me, like, I'll be like, feeling disconnected from like my practice. And it's nice to go back and like re-listen to like the gospel of Mary um, and be like, oh yeah, okay, like love everyone, whatever. <laughs> like it's not easy to remember to do that. Um, like, <laughs> You're preaching to the choir, I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, like everyone has, you know, the divine spark in them. So, okay, fine, like be compassionate. Yeah. So it can be nice to have those. <laughs> I think that's why I like Gnosticism too, because I kind of felt like, that was there but i didn't really have like a foundation because witchcraft can be loosey-goosey too which isn't bad like some people like that but i really liked having the text that had like some tradition like some foundation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think i want to the, the <laughs> when we when we become like so enamored by like our belief system and like anchored to like a specific text and traditions I, I understand where you're coming from where like they're always pushing compassion 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 so at, at one point when you start meeting like like different people throughout your life it kind of makes you a cynic you know it makes you kind of cynical to that idea of like why why do these folks feel like they're entitled to my compassion you know what I mean so like I understand where you're coming from and I think that kind of goes uh, like along 
a lot of people's belief systems. I just don't, I don't think that's just Christianity. I just think that's everybody where it's like, okay, we want to be good people and we want to be good towards people. Sometimes I just like, why? Because <laughs> people suck sometimes, you know? So yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Just piggybacking on what you said. Um, Ryan, do you have anything? Yeah, I was curious. So uh, it seems like, you know, you said the ultimate goal of of Gnosticism is more so, you know, attaining that spiritual, that gnosis, uh, that communion with the divine, like a lot of traditions. But does that also entail a complete neglect of like the physical world? Because especially with like the theology of like the demiurge creating the material world, like are there Gnostics who seek to strike kind of like a temperance, a balance between the two? Or is the sole goal kind of like, uh, gotta neglect the material and just go straight to the spiritual? Yeah, I think there's definitely people out there who do that. Um, and like also Gnosticism gets accused a lot of being like world-hating dualists <laughs> um, because like it's actually kind of hilarious. Like I was rereading The Secret Book of John and they listed like an archon for each part of the body. Like the tongue is ruled by blah, blah, blah. And the left hand is this and the right hand is that. And I was like, what nerd like wrote down the <laughs> <laughs> Um so, you know, it can be interpreted that way. I think um, I see it more as like a, not being attached to the body and not being like attached to the material world. But yeah, you can definitely like go on the opposite pendulum where you're just like, none of this is real. Like, that's not great either. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. So I'm it's really curious. To... To... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Fonzie. No, I was just going to say it's just. It just... It just sounds like you're trying to navigate between these realms, trying to navigate between the physical realm, the spiritual realm, everything, uh, trying to find your place in all of it. I was uh, I was had one more question, guys. So, could you elaborate a bit more on like the texts that consist of? Uh, or that Gnosticism consists of? Because I know even with some books of the Bibles, it might be like the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John, but it wasn't actually written by those people. It was just kind of like what was passed down and taken as authority. So where do these texts from Gnosticism come from? Like I know you mentioned the secret, was it the secret Gospel of John? Yeah, the secret book of John. Secret book of John. Yeah. So could you give me a bit more or give us like a bit more insight into into these texts, where they come from, their their um, author, uh, their authorship, uh, kind of what they entail for those that maybe want to read these and look more into Gnosticism? Yeah. So they there was the Berlin Codex, and that one was found in Cairo in 1896. And that one just had four books in it. Um, but it had the gospel of mary there's the sophia of jesus another big one is the gospel of thomas and the gospel of philip those two are very big in gnosticism because like all of them like philip thomas mary they speak more to your personal connection um like trying to think of specific stories without going too deep in them but yeah, like the and there's a the gospel of truth. I need to listen to listen slash read that one still. There's a lot out there, so you can definitely be looking up like everything that was in the Nag Hammadi library, everything that was in the Berlin Codex, um, and they're all like online. For okay. Free. Oh, for I was just gonna say for free because uh, girl, I got no money right now. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely would love to read more of that because, like you said, it definitely sounds like a bigger emphasis on that personal connection and that personal, again, gnosis with with the divine and, and the creator. And I just, you know, that's what draws me back into my Catholic practice is just like learning how to commune with the divine again through what I'm familiar with, which is Catholicism. But I, I just love the emphasis of Gnosticism on just like, again, that personal personal connection. And it kind of, it seems as if there's less of a, a reliance on authority and hierarchy like it definitely like i said i keep repeating this but it just that that personal connection is what really draws me into into wanting to learn more for sure yeah and like the gospel of mary and philip and thomas you know other people can read them too and not necessarily view them as gnostic or like be gnostic but like 
you know, we're just kind of like not other Gnostic. <laughs> yeah, well, that like really interests me because it's like at what point did like the church, if at any, be like, oh, this isn't true. This is heretical. Because again, what I was reading on Gnosticism is that like the church was like, oh, this is like one of the biggest heresies to ever mm. exist. But like, again, you know, we're talking about an institutional organization here determining what's considered quote unquote true and what's considered quote unquote false. So it makes me really curious, like, you know, how many people followed that or how many people read and followed these texts religiously and really believed in them before the church was like, ah, uh-uh, like this isn't what we teach you. It's just, uh, I don't know. I always love the the ideas and philosophies that come that that veer from the the hierarchical kind of institution of the church that gives a different viewpoint, right? Like when we when we provide differing opinions, that provides discourse for people to be like, oh, this is my personal gnosis, this is your personal gnosis, but we're all trying to get to gnosis, you know, sis. Right. No, I think we're going to get to gnosis, sis. I love that. I love that. We're trying to get to gnosis, sis. <laughs> Oh, God, I love that. Oh, my God. You're just coming up with catch lines after one after another, Ryan. Um, I do love just just going back to what Ryan said about it does feel like a very personal relationship with the divine. Now, the only reason why I'm saying that is because it is very transgressive to what we are taught in school. Right. Or we're taught in like Christian school where it's um, we feel like there is this obligation to do the things that the church wants us to do. And then things are just going to happen. But what we're ne- what we're never taught is what is that feeling? What is that connection? What is that, um, you know, what is that relationship other than you need to say, you know, this many Hail Marys, or you need to say the Lord's Prayer during this time of the day, or, you know, like do this, 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 and this, and A, B, and C will happen. You know, it has a more personal, much more um, customized, much more you feel to it. You know, it's more, much more intrinsic. It's much more um, visceral. And I say this word a lot, visceral, because visceral i think is just something that just come it's just it 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 comes from you you know it's it's something that you feel within yourself and i think that's what every practice should look like it needs to come from some part of yourself you know and um it's it, it is it's 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 so different from what we're taught in school because school is like do this and this will happen mm-hmm. which is like okay but why why does this happen? And this is the reason why folks leave the church because there's never a reason, right? Everyone wants a fucking reason, but no one can ever give them a reason. And there are folks who are just like, all right, yeah, I trust this happens. That's cool. That's fine. You know, um, you know, and they fall into that, you know, uh, the traditional, you know, church life, which is fine. That's totally cool. And that's very, pra- that's very uh, powerful and very practical. But at the same time, there are folks like us who are just like, uh, I want a little bit more. I want more depth. I want more meaning. You know, why is this all mm-hmm. happening? Why am I asking for this? Why am I saying these words? These prayers mean something, you know? So, yeah. You know, I, I posted something on my story today because there's something that my Catholic family grew up doing, or at least I observed them doing oh, while yeah. I was growing up Catholic. And it just made me think again of Gnosis, right? Because it was never, it's something that's not taught by the church. So when we make the sign of the cross, we place our fingers to our forehead and then our heart, and then for those who aren't Orthodox and are more on the Roman Catholic side of Catholics, um, forehead, chest, heart area, left shoulder, right shoulder, and that's the sign of the cross. But my family, and to this day, I continue to do it just out of habit, not even having known where it originated, if anything, but we would always kiss our, well, what I thought was our fingers, but it's your thumb at the end of it. So we do in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then kiss our thumb. And I was doing some Googling today because I was curious, like, where did this tradition come from? What communities do this? Turns out it's heavily prevalent amongst um Latin American communities, uh, Spanish communities, and uh, Italian communities. And the reason being, again, doesn't give me much history. I couldn't find where it came from. But it's when you make your thumb perpendicular with your index finger, you're making a cross. So at the end, when you're making the sign of the cross, you're kissing this the cross out of your fingers out of a sign of respect, reverence, and devotion to you know the cross we carry as, as Christians as well as the cross that Christ died on. I just thought that was so beautiful, right? Because again, this is not anywhere in the Bible. Even the Catholic Church doesn't teach this. It was just something that, you know, maybe there is history behind where it started. I didn't really dig that deep, but from what I did read, I couldn't find any history. So it just goes to show kind of like a little, a little gnosis that started in these communities, several different cultural communities, and has stuck to this day. I just, I think something like that's just very beautiful. 
I love that. I didn't know that. That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw your story and I was just like, oh yeah, my family does that. I, I mean, my family's from the Philippines, and um, I, we were colonized by the Spanish, so uh, obviously we adopted that same thing, and we we do that in the Philippines too. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for letting me know that. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, because both sides of my family did it, so I was just like, oh, this just must be a Roman Catholic thing. But then I got mixed replies in my story post when I asked, like, did you grow up doing this or do you do it currently? A lot of people were saying yes, and again, they come from these similar communities, and then a handful of people were saying no. So I, I thought everybody did it, and so did someone that answered my my post. They were like, I thought everyone's families grew up doing this. Sky, let me ask you a question. Is there, um, are you kind of solitary in your practice, or is are there people like who are close to you that you see every day that also practice within Gnosticism? Not my two besties I know from witch camp. And so I'm always like texting them, especially when I was like first listening to like the gospel of Thomas. And I'm like, this one's talking about this. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> one, they're just kind of like casually interested or kind of casually like, I have too much religious trauma for that. Um, mm. So not like my personal like friendships, but I go to like liturgy on Zoom sometimes and they have like rituals on Mm. zoom sometimes but yeah i'm like i would love to live in a city where i could like go to one well you know that's totally okay because my community also exists online practically um i mean i am kind of building slowly a a little magical group of friends my uh my community also exists online majority of them I'm, i'm starting to kind of develop this this uh not necessarily folk Christian in real life community because I think I'm the only one. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I, I'm talking about like here in real life. I'm not talking about you, Ryan. <laughs> I'm talking about just like here in LA. Um, like I don't have a, I, I don't, I don't belong to a coven. I don't belong to any, you know, any sort of like we. Everything is kind of just, and that's totally cool. That's, I mean, this is the kind of the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing of the age that we live in right now, the blessing of the the internet is that we are able to fucking do this now. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, it comes with its curses as well, but like the, the blessing and all is like, Oh, look, you know, sky is able to kind of practice within Gnosticism because there are folks who also do that, you know, and you know, they're able to, um, sky, I forgot to ask what is, what are your pronouns? Oh, she or they, she or they. Okay. Um, they're able to, you know, learn from other people just because we, we get to do this remotely. I love it. You know what I mean? Sky, so I know I asked you to elaborate a bit on what you'd be willing to share regarding how you combine Gnosticism and your witchcraft practice. But what does your witchcraft practice look like? Uh, so we've covered like the theology of your Gnostic beliefs um, for a good part. So what is what does your witchcraft practice look like? You said you're more eclectic, but uh, tell, tell us about your magic, if you're willing to share. Yes, no, please. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 it's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got started in the reclaiming tradition. um, And that one's, I don't know, if you know about the reclaiming tradition, I think the fun part about it is that the rituals are very loosey-goosey in a fun way. Like, there's no high priest or priestess. Like, they try to keep it very, like, everybody can just hop up, even if it's your first time there. If you're very enthusiastic and you want to, like, call in air they're like yeah hell yeah go for it um and you can like do it wrong or like forget your lines that you had planned and freeze and people just be like great job (laughs) (laughs) and so it's a really fun environment to like try things out and get creative and just um explore things so i really liked that introduction into witchcraft and then i think i was also like "Hmm, like what can you know, structure offer. It's it's again that balance of like trying to figure out freedom and structure and all of that. Absolutely. Could so you... I'm personally not familiar with the reclaiming tradition. Yeah, is I was that, just about is to that, ask that Wiccan or is it Wiccan? Or just like is what what is it exactly? Because I'm not. I've never heard of the reclaiming tradition before. Oh, okay, I think it technically falls under the umbrella of Wiccan, but I feel like a lot of reclaiming people are kind of like also moving away from that like title um but yeah it follows like it's very similar to i don't know how to describe this one i haven't talked about it a ton but it's uh it does try to like reimagine um myths from all over and um make them relatable for us now it 
there's a very strong emphasis on the principles of unity that they have. They're very like social justice oriented. So. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's wonderful. Um, I was wondering, is there like, um, cause if we like talk about like, um, different traditions and d different belief systems, how sometimes they're anchored in like a, a specific place in the world. Um, is Gnosticism anchored anywhere? Like, is, is it like, you know, here in the Americas or is it kind of, you know, sprinkled all around the world? Like wh where is it prominent? Yeah, I think it's sprinkled, you know, it comes out of, you know, it started in Greece, but then it kind of is like a revitalization now. So I think it is, um mostly in i don't know i don't even know if that's correct to say like i think it is more western but i don't i could be wrong about that sky do you have any questions for us or anything that you would like to ask us in terms of narcissism or otherwise oh let's see <laughs> oh the, the the floor is free go ahead you can you can say whatever you 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 please please do oh well i guess i could ask like because well i think i know this because you've talked about it but it's okay i'll phrase it anyway um <laughs> like in terms of doing like rituals you know like i got they sent me a package for epiphany um the church and they had like a little spell kit and like holy water and like a script and it was saying like normally for epiphany like a priest would do this but like, I guess you can just go for it. I don't know if that's like the kind of practice that you would also do. Yeah, Fonzie, do you want to go ahead and, and elaborate on how you would cover that? Yeah, if someone gave me something that a priest would do and the church said only a priest can do this, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to do it like every day. <laughs> and I think Ryan would agree. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I agree too. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's I mean... We've, we've, I mean, Sky, you're, you're right. We've spoken about this before, but I love repeating it because we are at the crossroads of what is holy and what is heretical, right? And, you know, Ryan and I, um, we kind of navigate this strange place in regards to what is considered heretical and what is considered holy. I think that anything that is considered holy is the things that I consider holy. <laughs> I know that's really strange to say, but it's based on what the what kind of relationship I have with my spirits. My spirits will tell me, I don't think this is a good idea for you to do. Um, not necessarily because um, the church says that you're not allowed to do it. It's just because maybe I'm not ready to do it or I'm not in a place to do it or, um, you know, you're, you're, you don't know enough to do this yet or, you know, anything like that. But it comes with learning. It comes with trial and error and making sure that you're 100 percent safe and you, you know what you're doing and um, be very intentional with what you do. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, you Ryan told me months ago, it's like the 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 sign of benediction was something that is you, you're not allowed to do it. Why fucking not? Tell me why. And the mm -hmm. fact was like, you can't even walk up to an altar at a church. Tell me why. Tell me why. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm a lot more holy than the, than the guy who's probably giving the sermon sometimes. And I you know that's a little spicy. I don't know. <laughs> but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I was about to say, I was like, I think I have a better relationship with God than you do. I know. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Parks and Rec. Have you ever, guys, have you ever watched Parks and Rec? Here okay, you guys know Ron, Ron Swanson. Yeah. When he walks into a hardware store. And someone is like, sir, can I help you with anything? And he goes, I know more than you. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. You walk, walk into, into the it. church, Fonzie, and you're just like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> uh, give me the gowns. Give me the gowns, darling. <laughs> you're like, where's my stole? Where's my cute little stole? Where's my stole? Where's my stole? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I... Oh, go ahead, Sky. Oh, sorry. That's how I feel when people come into my comments and they're like, Jesus is the way and I'm like oh you barked up the wrong tree because I'm not going to argue with you in some ways but then I'm also kind of going to pick your brain about things yeah absolutely right. absolutely he Jesus is, is a the way, way but not which the way? only yeah right way. you know that's right that's right 
But yeah. also a lot of the times I was like, oh, well, let, tell me about your way, because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of things in your way that Jesus wouldn't agree with anyway. Right, right. Well, and I think, again, that's forming our own personal gnosis with the divine. We may be doing something that goes against what the church, quote unquote, teaches. But I don't know why I put air quotes around that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know because it's true. <laughs> but, um, you know, that doesn't make it any less valuable or any less. You're going to tell me that your way of communing with the divine is better than what I'm doing. That's helping me actually commune with the divine on my own terms, you know. But um, I guess to give my perspective on what you were asking, Sky, again, agreeing with what Fonzie was saying. But, um, you know, I really love I absolutely advocate and love and recommend everyone to listen to St. Anthony's Tongue podcast hosted by W because Absolutely. he and his podcast mentions how some folk Christian practitioners, like they're able to do what a priest is doing so long as they're doing it in the name of God. So you can make holy water so long as during the blessing you're calling upon God and not saying it's coming from you. Now I walk a fine line between the two. You know, I've blessed things mm -hmm. with my own power in my own name, but when it comes to certain Catholic elements in that tradition, because I was baptized Catholic, I do feel, you know, some like, not priority is the word I want to use, but some uh, not entitlement either. Like, I feel like I do have the ability to work with that Abrahamic God because I was I was baptized Catholic and and was confirmed and went through all the sacraments and this that and the third. So it's like I do feel like I'm entitled to bless things also in the name and through through God, you know. But you know, a priest would tell you otherwise. A priest would be like, "No, that's sacrilege. Like, you can't you can't do that." And I'm like, "Well, who are you? We're all we're all children of Jesus here." Um, <laughs> But but that's what I would do with that spell kit, you know. I, again, like what Fonzie was saying, fuck that. If you're saying a priest is the only one who can do it, now don't get me wrong. We could have a whole conversation over initiatory traditions and who can work with what and what can who can do what. Because you know, it's not Absolutely. like I'm going to try to go work with the Orishas out of an ATR like that. Obviously, total different ballpark than me choosing to bless something in my name other than God's name. You know what I mean? I, I you're 100 percent right. I totally agree with you because it's like if if. In regards to like something more initiatory, but is also kind of in the realm of what we do in regards to folk Christianity, like ATR, like I'm not going to claim that that's nothing that shouldn't be done. I'm talking about things from like the instant, that goddamn institution <laughs> that's that, ew, that always gets my heart, like just like my chest hot. Take everything. I mean, obviously take everything that we're saying with a grain of salt, you know, I'm not saying several just grains. several grains like don't don't go out there and just just like just be heretical for the sake of being heretical you know that's not that's not what we're saying we're not we're, saying walk up to mass and start you know doing the the consecration transubstantiation of the body and blood yourself that no that might be taking no. a little too far yeah I think that there's there's there is there's kind of a there's a line where you shouldn't you know just there's a there's a line of being kind of you know transgressive and also being just blatantly disrespectful um uh, I mean here I'm also here not to tell you what to do like if someone came up to me and like if Ryan if Ryan came up to me was like yeah I, I went up there and just started taking over I'd have been like why <laughs> imagine you know, i still oh yeah i just i socked the priest in the face and i started running things i'm the priest uh -huh. now yeah and then i would have been like how'd it go <laughs> you know <laughs> be like do you own the church now <laughs> you know but at the same time it's it's it depends it depends on how you see things it's it, you know um with with initiative you know with 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 practices that are that do have some sort of initiation i believe that that's something that needs to be respected but taking things from the straight from the traditional institutionalized church take it all take it mm -hmm. all take it mm -hmm. all take it all take it all um because it belongs to us they're trying they are purposefully gatekeeping all of these things because they're trying mean, to Fonzie? i'm sorry to cut you off with that meme we're just like it's free real it's estate yeah exactly it is it really fucking is it really like just just it belongs to us it was supposed to be for us and they're they're gatekeeping the magic they know the magic exists they know it does, even though they did, they, you know, denying the magic is just part of their propaganda, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but the magic exists and they're trying to gatekeep it. And I was like, take it all, take it all. So in regards to that spell kit, I'm doing it and I'm doing it every day, <laughs> whatever it was. I don't even know what the intention was. I'm going to take, I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. No, it made me think of kind of, I kind of briefly touched on it with like talking about coming to like folk Catholicism or Gnosticism, having some religious trauma. I don't know if you think of yourself as having religious trauma, but if you ever have those moments that are kind of like, 
Mm-hmm. That's how I describe them. Of like, like I'll be in Gnostic liturgy and I'll start saying a prayer that's pretty traditional, and it, I just have to kind of be like, okay, well, sin is just a metaphor. Like I have to be thinking mm. in my head because it kind of still brings up some stuff. Absolutely, there's a lot of deconstruction. I feel like we touched on this a bit in our first episode of the Red Text with with Burgundy. That there's a lot of deconstruction that needs to be done because again, the church teaches all of these certain aspects of of the religion of the theology as like cold hard fact, as opposed to being like, oh, let's look at this from different perspectives and different lenses, you know, or like a lot of modern evangelical Christians look at the Bible as just literally things that happen in a literal, or I meant to say. Modern day evangelical Christians tend to look at the Bible as as literal fact um, through a literal perspective, as opposed to you know a metaphysical one, a spiritual one, uh, ones mm-hmm. with that are just meant to be metaphorical and allegorical, and not strictly just literal events that happen. You know, did Moses part the Red Sea? Who knows? Maybe he did, or that could have just been a huge metaphor of how he ripped open this tide to to initiate all of these people into the religion of God. You know, it's like we weren't there. Who knows? That was a tangent. I lost my train of thought, but. <laughs> No, I but I think there's there's a lot of um, truth in saying that there is there is a lot of deciding what you believe is is, <laughs> and there is a lot of damage and a lot of 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 destruction when it came to taking the gospel and taking or not the gospel taking the text into and making it lit- like literally like this is what happened and this is what it you know th- a lot of every a lot of the things that happened in the bible i think we're going off on a little bit but i think it's important um and it does it does it does kind of uh you know um align with what we're talking about but um every uh, so much of the bible and the stories told were exactly those they were stories and i think i've touched on this before where they were told in these really kind of mystical and metaphorical and poetic ways to make them interesting to listen to so that folks would carry on and tell it again and tell it again. There's something about the fact that Jesus died and nothing was written down until like 50 years later. Right. Because everything from the time Jesus died to when someone actually wrote it down, it was just word of mouth. They were just telling stories. It's like a big game of telephone. Who knows what was lost in translation? Right. And a lot of the times these things not necessarily happened, happened, you know what I mean? But they happened in a sense, in a spiritual sense, you know, where the, you know, let's just say, um, you know, when Moses was parting the reds, this was not just, you know, actual you know, freedom from slavery, but also spiritual freedom, not being able to, you know, being able to practice the way they wanted to practice, whatever, you know, following whoever they wanted to follow without the oppression of an empire, you know? So there's, there's a lot of nuance when it comes to making sure that folks understand it's like what the text, the text is the text. And that's really that the text is a beautiful just collection of stories, but they are stories. It's really important to understand is like, you have to decide what you believe and how you believe it's true. Not just what you believe is true, but how you believe it's true, right? How do you believe that the Moses story is true? That it's actually him parting the Red Seas or how it's a metaphor for other things, you know? I don't know. That was, that was not very eloquent. I'm sorry, guys. No, it's okay. I mean, it just made me remember like, I think doing like folk Catholicism or just like random Christian mysticism or Gnosticism for me, it was really healing for my religious trauma because in the one I grew up in, it was like women were not allowed to do anything really. They weren't allowed to like pass out, I don't know, pass out the wine um, or like read a prayer in front of it. Whereas like, you know, in other Protestant denominations, you can do a little bit. Um, And so then like with the gospel of Mary, where Mary is kind of being like, oh, I had this vision of Jesus because it was like, it happens after he's died. And she's like, I had this vision of Jesus and this is what he said. And Peter is like, I don't think that's true. Like, why should Mm -hmm. we listen to this woman? And Mary's like, you think I'm lying? Like, why would I do that? Um, And I was like, wow, 
I relate to Mary. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and so it's just like hearing things from a different perspective can be really that there's more than one way to look at things can be really healing for like religious trauma. Is the Gospel of Mary's guy, is that referring to Mary, Jesus's mother or Mary Magdalene? Um, a lot of people think Mary Magdalene. It's never really like specified, but it seems like it's Mary Magdalene. Okay. Yeah. Is there a specific gospel that you really resonate with, something that you work with a lot? Yeah, definitely the Gospel of Mary. Um, that one's really, that one's cool because she talks about things that she says Jesus told her that she didn't tell them because they weren't like ready. <laughs> they weren't on her level. Um, and it's kind of, he, she was asking him all these like metaphysical questions like, okay, well, like when I see a vision, do I see it through like the mind or like the soul or the spirit um and then like all a bunch of pages are missing unfortunately so we don't really know what he says but it's just kind of cool <laughs> um and yeah and like personally i think this is kind of related to gnosticism too like i think a lot of gnostics see mary as also have having reached gnosis um in her own terms like also having reached enlightenment so for me, Mary's kind of, it's not like she's better than saints, but she's kind of like elevated above saints for me. I can wow. see that. I mean, you, 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 I was, you, say, you can go ahead and say that Mary's better than saints. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, Mary Magdalene, I mean, some people theorize that she was like the, the wife or the lover of Jesus. So, I mean, you could yeah. say whether or not she was, I mean, I'm sure she and Christ had a very intimate relationship, just like no one's ever going to be able to relate to Jesus so much as Mary his mother you know like a mom mm -hmm. will be able to relate to her child in no way that or in a way that no one else in the world will ever be able to so i completely can see why you would say you know mary magdalene's above the saints because if she truly did have that kind of loving relationship that's kind of um i guess seen as like a heresy by the church with jesus like she would have had intimate and spiritual access to him that no other person would so i mean who's to say that it's it's too too against the grain to say that she's above the saints you know I don't, I don't think so at all. I think that's very like, I don't mean to be crass. No, fuck that. I, I do mean to be crass. Um, there are points where I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go meet him first and then I'm gonna come see, I'm gonna come and have dinner with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a priority. <laughs> there's a pri I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see somebody for some fun times really quick and I'm gonna meet you for dinner. You know what I mean? If I'm talking about like me and my friends, you know, and we understand those things. And I think the saints kind of understand. It's like Mary Magdalene is my girl, you know, Mary Magdalene, she, she, she has a different kind of, um, I don't know, this, this, that may be a little, um, just something in my brain. <clears throat> But at the same time, it's just like, who's to say? Who's to say who is who and where they stand? If that's how, if that's what you see, if that's how you see it, sure. You know, there, there's like, like what what Ryan said and what you said. It's like, yeah, sure. Why why is why would it why wouldn't Mary Magdalene be able to stand? You know, just on a slightly higher pedestal than the saints. You know, there's there's nothing that that would say that you know opposes that there's something that would say that supports that i would just maybe that's just what you believe and that's totally fine sky i forgot to ask do you have any social media handles where people can find and follow you and you know what type do you provide any types of services if any yeah i'm on like all the things um instagram tiktok twitter I just started YouTube and I stream on Twitch so you can come get like free live readings on Twitch once a week. Um, and yeah, I do readings. Um, they are over Zoom one-on-one. -on -one, so yeah, that'd be cool. Nice. And how would people go about um, booking your services? Um, yeah. So my, you can find me anywhere at Sky Marinda. It's a, weird name kind of it's <laughs> but <laughs> once you you'll probably see it in the title if you look at, no one else has this name thanks dad so you can probably <laughs> find me <laughs> do you mind spelling yeah, we'll, it out we'll, and i can include it oh. in the show notes oh yeah m-a-r-i-n-d-a okay perfect and then sky is s-k-y-e yeah perfect and is there any punctuation or just all all one word uh there's a space probably I, yeah okay all right i I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send it to, we'll, we'll, we can start. Cause I think, hang on one second. Let me just make sure because 
yeah it's slightly different on all the platforms but it's generally like sky.marinda.tarot tarot yeah, yeah that's your that's your instagram ha- handle yeah. and she has a website oh she has a link tree oh no mm-hmm. some sort of link thing mm-hmm. there we go there it is okay. there is a link perfect and i will include that in the, the show notes for y'all yeah there is a link oh li- okay we got spring equinox workshop Oh, yeah. We have a book, a tarot reading. What? Wait, what's the Spring Equinox Workshop? What is that? Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of inspired by the Empress, which is, you know, related also to, like, Mother Mary a lot for people. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of about, like, how it's this time of, like, blossoming and growth and birthing things metaphorically. So the workshop's going to be about kind of blossoming into who you want to be this spring. I love that. That's oh beautiful. God, that. Total random thought. When you were mentioning like the Empress card, I was thinking like when we were talking about Jesus and his relationship with Mary Magdalene, like the lover's card popped into mind for mm-hmm. me, like that divine spiritual union. Um, that was just just a little gnosis for this sis. Just for the gnosis <laughs> with this sis. Oh my God. I mean, you talk about the Empress, like the Empress sitting on that, in that beautiful, beautiful gown, sitting on that throne in a garden, you know, I just, oh, I love that imagery. Mm-hmm. And it she looks like there is. Oh, go ahead. What did you say? Oh no, she just has all the stars, which people kind of equate to, like the stars that Mary, Mother mm-hmm. Mary, has the a lot. halo of twelve stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Yep. And then looking at those links, guys, there is a Twitter, there's a TikTok, there's an Instagram, there's a YouTube, there's a Twitch stream, there's a website, there's a. T- you can find Sky everywhere. Look at that. <laughs> You are you are just pounding it. I love it. You're just pounding it? What the hell did I just say? You're pounding the ground is what I meant to say. <laughs> you are just pounding it. I should Fonzie's got other things on his mind. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's it. <laughs> just kidding. Well, thank you so much, Sky. We really appreciate you spending the time with us. Um, is there anything else that you want to say before we cap off the episode? No, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Yes. Yeah, thank you for And thank you for being such a great supporter of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With that said, my name is Fonzie. I am Witch Illumicente on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm your co-host, Ryan, a.k.a. The Misty So Mystic. You can find me on Instagram at The Misty So Mystic or on Twitter at Misty So Mystic. And with that said, we will see you at our next Unholy Communion. The Red Text is a Patreon-supported podcast. Become a patron today and gain access to early video releases of upcoming episodes, monthly live stream Q&As, monthly rosary prayer circles, candle magic kits, zodiac tarot readings, and so much more. You also have a chance to be mentioned in future episodes. Join the coven today at patreon.com slash redtextcoven. That's patreon.com slash redtextcoven. Thank you all for listening and for your support.